Uh, good morning. My name is Doug Baker. I am one of the pastors here at Community Reformed Church. I am the pastor of advancement, which means you don't see me around here very much. Uh, what we mean by pastor of advancement is that uh, uh, I am sent out to uh, advance God's kingdom uh, on behalf of Community Church. One of the ways that we have chosen to do that together uh, as a church is to say to brothers and sisters, fellow uh, churches in our area, churches that are struggling, have been struggling for a while, that they don't have to be alone. That we will walk with them. No matter what happens, no matter what God, where God leads us, no matter what the future has to hold, we're with you. Um, there's a, a church in our classes uh, a group of churches that all kind of work together in ministry together um, in Zealand area and uh, the Beaverdam Reformed Church and they've been struggling for about 15 years and things were looking pretty bleak and 18 months ago we stood up together with the blessing of classes with your blessing and their blessing and we said you're not going to be alone no matter what happens. So I've been spending a lot of my time there. I've been uh, helping them, walking with them, pouring into leadership, pouring into God's kingdom. And just we have been striving with every ounce that we've got to find life. And I want to thank you for your prayers. I want to thank you for all of the support that you give in that ministry. It's amazing and it's powerful. Um, God is good. That's not all that I do, though. Part also, uh, there's another part of advancement, um, and that is to, uh, to imagine and to move forward with us as a community reformed church into the next steps of what it means to be God's people as community reformed church. How do we reach the next 200? This is always in front of us. How do we reach the next 200? The next 200. And part of that imagination comes from our past. 50 years ago, this is a church plant in the middle of a field. There was nothing else around. And now 50 years later, how are we expanding God's kingdom? How are we advancing God's purposes? And one of the questions we're asking, one of the questions I'm charged to ask and try and figure out an answer to is, is why do we only have to be 2,100 people on one site? Why can't we be 5,000 people on five sites? That's 10. <laughs> Pray for us. As we seek that, pray for us as we are pursuing that. Pray for us as we are digging into what that means and how to advance God's kingdom together. So that's who I am. That's what we do. And now we get to dig into God's word. I was charged for today to uh, share from God's word and truth out of the, the chapter of Mark, Mark 10. Um, now, quite often, I don't know if you know this, but quite often if you're a preacher and you're asked to share out of a chapter of God's word, what you typically do is you're like, wow, this is a whole chapter. What am I going to preach on? And what we usually do is we're like, okay, we pray and we read through it and we pray and we read through it and we read through it and we read and pray and, and we read. And it's all happening at the same time. And we're waiting for this inspiration from the spirit. Where's the moment? Where's the thing? Where's the, where's the explosion time? Because you can't do the whole thing. Like, it's hard to do the whole thing because the, the word of God is such this deep well. I mean, every verse contains so much. We could, we could be here for a few hours. I know you could handle that. That's a big ask. I'm not going to ask that of you. So what do we dig into? What are we going to pursue today? Which of these passages from Mark 10 is the best? There are several many moments. It begins with a conversation about divorce. It moves into, let the little children come to me. There's a, a rich young guy who walks in and there's something about camels and needles. 
James and John, disciples of Jesus, say, hey, we want places of glory, and then a blind man receives his sight. There's a lot of cool stuff. Which one do we dig into? Everybody's got their favorites. Everybody has one they love. Maybe, maybe you really like how Jesus said that if you want into the kingdom of God, you got to be like a little child. Why is that cool? Because we get to be kids for the rest of eternity. I like that. Sorry, I put back on my decorum. <clears throat> maybe you read that passage about the rich young man and his story resonates with you because... Because how many of us here haven't had that moment when God asks us to do something and we put up our hands and we say, you know, this time, God, you're just asking too much. We all have our favorites. We all have things in God's word that strike us and we want to hear it again. As I was preparing for today, as I was reading through Mark 10, I'm asking, what's it going to be, God? What's it going to be? And he did something awesome for me, something I didn't expect. He said... Preach for four hours. <laughs> he said all of Mark 10. Look at this. I want to show you something. You see all these little moments, these individual moments? They're not just individual moments. They're all tied together. There's something going on here. Pay attention. Listen. There's something that, 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 that's weaving its way, a truth that's weaving its way all through Mark 10. Don't miss it. I've got a truth that I want to share. In all of these little stories, these individual moments, seemingly incongruous events wrapped up together in a greater truth, what doesn't seem to match at first glance actually tells one particular story. Dun, 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 the plot thickens. So for this morning, I'm not going to just choose one of the moments in Mark 10 and really parse it for you. Instead, Instead, we're going to look at the whole chapter and we're going to ask about the bigger lesson because these aren't just stories about uh, divorce and kids and the corrupting influence of money or how some people want to have higher status and regard than others. As I was praying through these passages, I was struck instead by one theme. And this is, I'm going to just tell it to you at the outset because I want you to think about it. I want it to be like pounding around in your brain. I want your heart to like stir around it as you watch Jesus battle a lie. I want you to, to wrestle with it and look for, as we read God's word, this lie that's the same lie happening in every one of these passages. What is Jesus fighting against? I'm just going to tell it to you so you can watch for it. You ready? Here we go. Theme of Mark 10. Jesus is battling for intimacy. He's battling for connection. Connection between God and people. Connection between people and people. He is not going to let the folks that come to him have less than full-out intimacy. He's just not going to put up with it. In each one of these moments, Jesus is fiercely fighting to clear up a cloudy lens by which these people have decided to try and look at life. He's trying with all his might to get these folks to see how deeply God loves them and how passionate God is for connection. That connection between people matters. So we're going to dig into Mark 10, and I'm going to, I'm going to kind of walk through it. I'm going to walk through pretty much the whole chapter. I'm going to do it, uh, I'm going to kind of bounce. If you're following along in your Bibles, you're probably going to be frustrated with me because I'm going to like jump, 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 jump. 
So if you want, you can follow along on the screen. Even better, close your eyes, sit back, don't fall asleep, and let God's word kind of wash over you. Listen for the battle for intimacy. Here's Mark 10. Hear this, God's word. Some Pharisees came and tested Jesus by asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you, Jesus replied. They said, well, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus replied, it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And this is the reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. And so they're no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. There's some people who are bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't hinder them. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go and sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then, come, follow me. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. And Jesus said, you know, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them? <laughs> Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Did you hear it? Did, did, did you get it? This, this battle that Jesus is fighting, what he's up against and what he's up to. Here, here are a bunch of folks, he's dealing with these folks, and they all seem to have kind of a similar affliction, this, this, this human bent inside of them. They're all worried about the things that matter to them, what's going to benefit them, what's appropriate, how do we keep proper separations in place in our lives, what, how far can I go and get away with what and still be okay? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Moses said, it's okay to divorce. Jesus said, no, wait, hold on a minute. He's just trying to make the best of a broken situation. That's not how it's supposed to be in the kingdom of God. Jesus, Jesus, the kids, there's so many kids. We know what happens when there's so many kids. And they're just not important enough to be around important people. Jesus says, no, 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 no. In the kingdom of God, everyone gets access because everyone matters. Jesus, I, 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 I've kept all of the rules and I've kept them just right. So is there anything missing? Anything that I'm missing at all? And he says, yes, yes, you're missing the real connection, real connections with real people. If you want the kingdom, 
Sell your stuff. That stuff you've come to depend on, get rid of it. In fact, invest your stuff into people and then come and hang out with me. Jesus, we want the places of honor when you establish your kingdom. We want everyone to know someday just how much more important we were. Jesus says, gentlemen, in the kingdom, status is irrelevant. (laughs) Rulers, servants, male, female, no. Serve people, care for others more than yourself. Every single account here, every single lesson here in Mark 10, we're given examples of what doesn't work, of what we're not supposed to do. What makes it easy for me to break a covenant? This is a This is a a pursuit of intimacy dissolved. Jesus, those, those kids aren't important enough. Some people are just not important enough. So let's leave them on the outside. They don't think like we think. They don't believe like we do. They're just so different. Let's just kind of tuck them away. Intimacy rejected. I want it all, Jesus. Help me have it all the way that I want to have it. Tell me how I can have heaven on my terms. Intimacy avoided. Jesus, we want to be recognized. And if that means that other people are not recognized, well, they should have acted quicker. They should have called it. You know, I wonder if it's because James and John are brothers that they have this like thinking going on. You know what it's like to have siblings, right? And when you're a kid, there's a rule about how life works. If you call it, you get it. Right? Who wants the last piece of pie? Called it. Everybody else is like, oh, no. Because you called it. Shotgun. Oh, I wanted shotgun. Sorry, he called it. It's almost like they're acting like, hey, Jesus, if we call it, no one else can have it. Too late. So sorry. Every moment here in Mark 10 is about division in relationship, barriers to intimacy, and Jesus is fighting it every step of the way. Well, oh, no, hold on a second. Hold on. I have not forgotten. Almost every moment in Mark 10. Almost. There is one. There's one account here that goes directly contrary to this theme of broken intimacy. There's one person who gets it, realizes what Jesus is actually offering, and goes after it with a tenacity that glorifies God. We got to read that one. We just got to read that one from front to to, to back. Got to read that one from start to finish. Uh, Mark 10, we're going to start at verse 46, okay? Get this here. Here we go. So they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, uh, that is the son of Timaeus, because the Hebrew word for son is bar, and the Hebrew word for Timaeus is Timaeus, bar Timaeus, son of Timaeus. He's sitting out by the roadside begging, but when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. 
Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want for me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Oh, this is, this is one of those great ones, right? This is one of those powerful ones. This is, this is one of the stories in the Bible I love so much because it grabs hold and it doesn't let go. It like reaches deep down into my guts. And, gra- I, and because this is a story that you, you almost can't sanitize. If you're going to in any way recognize a Bible story as actually having happened, you're going to have to live into this one because this is just riveting how this unfolds. I mean, imagine this. If you can just imagine, there's a guy, he's just an average guy. He's a guy, he's a blind man. He's sitting on the side of the road. He probably got the same spot he's been sitting in day in and day out all the time on the side of the road because people are passing by blind, which means he can't work. So he lives off of the the benevolence of others. So there he sits on the side of the road. He can't see a thing. And he's waiting for the compassion of strangers Uh, Excuse me, is there anyone there? I hear footsteps. Please, could you help me? Please, just anything. Do you have a a crust of bread? I'm I'm hungry. I don't have any way to feed myself. A a little bit, just anything. Uh, A mite, do you have a mite to share? And he sits there waiting for people to care for him. And then a crowd, a crowd begins to roll on by. Here's lots of footsteps. I I would imagine it would have started getting a little bit smelly and the dust would rise up. (coughs) There's a lot of people and he hears the rumble of of voices and and people are talking and and uh, he doesn't know what's going on. What's going on? Uh, Who who is this? This large crowd seems to be uh, moving together. Are you a traveling caravan? No, no, no. Uh, We're we're following a a teacher. We're following a healer. A healer? Um. Who, who are you talking about? Oh, it's that Jesus guy, Jesus of Nazareth? Yeah, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, now, healers are abounding in this time. I mean, it's a job just like any other. People are healers. The difference between Jesus and all the other healers is they charge. They cost money. He doesn't have any money. But he knows he wants to be healed. He's heard the stories. There's this Jesus. Jesus, um, I, 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 please, I, I, will you pay attention to me? Jesus, son of David, um, please have mercy on me. Please, uh, pay attention. And, and people, people are mean. They're, they're angry. They, they have this honest belief that if you are blind, it's because God has judged you. And they hear him calling out, just this blind beggar, shut up. Important people are walking here. But he will not. He will not stop because he has a need. He has something deep inside that will not be quenched without Jesus. And he says, no, son of David, Jesus, please, will you please pay attention? I'm over here. Don't walk by. Don't leave me like this. And the crowd stops because Jesus stops. He's heard him. That guy that's been yelling for me, call him over here. So the disciples, all right. Jesus, oh, you're so nice, Jesus. 
come on, come on up. He wants to see you. And here's this blind guy, and, and he throws off his cloak. And, and I, Pastor Nate just mentioned it to me after the last service. Uh, I never even know, I considered it. He said, when he threw off his cloak, do you know a lot of people say he, his cloak, probably the only thing he possessed, was probably in his lap so he could put the donations he was getting into it. All that he was receiving, all the blessings he was receiving from anybody and everybody all that day, he throws off his cloak. It means nothing because he's going to get to talk to Jesus. And he gets up. Now, it's not just, don't, I mean, it's not simple stuff. He doesn't just walk up and go, yo, Jesus, all right, here I am. He's blind. There's a crowd. He's, he's kind of moving through. I mean, he doesn't know where, where, where it is, where Jesus, he's stumbling through. He's, he's bumping into this person. He's, he's, he's banging into this elbow and, and, and this shoulder, and, and somebody's pushing him over. You know, you're going to talk to Jesus, but you're not going to get in my way. I want access to Jesus, too. And he's reaching. He doesn't know when is he going to find him? When is he going to be there? And then, boom, he finds, there it is. Is that his shoulder? Is this Jesus? This is Jesus. And you just can see him. In my mind's eye, I can just see him. He's reaching up and feels the side of Jesus' face. There's his ear. There's his beard. And I can just see him digging his fingers into Jesus' beard. He's got him. He's got him. He's finally got him. And he's just not going to let go. Because this is what he needs. And he's got, he's got him. And he's, are you here? Is it you? And there's Jesus' voice, right? So what do you want me to do for you? Rabbi, I want to see. I just want to see. Can I see? This is the moment. This is the moment at the very end of Mark 10 that like redeems every other moment that came before. It's almost, like, it's almost like the story is being told this way on purpose. This is masterful storytelling, folks. This is, this is what builds, builds the anticipation, the tension. Is it, are they always going to get it wrong? Are they always going to get it wrong? I mean, here's a story. Strike one. Here's a story. Swing and a miss. Here's a story. Tick. Uh, tapped foul. Here's a story, the crack of a bat, and all eyes watch it fly out of the park. This is the moment. Here is the story where Jesus and all that he is offering is revealed, and somebody finally takes him up on it. If you want to have a, a purpose in your life, if you want to have peace, if you want to have a restoration of all the things that drive you crazy and kill you, Jesus says, come to me, and I will give you rest. Come to me. I am the way and the truth and the life. Come to me. Live with me. Trust in me. Spend your life with me, and you will have the real version of what you've been seeking, the version that, that, that will actually give you all you've ever needed because Jesus never gives us less than the full, real version of what we need. He never gives us the fake thing that, that, that we ask for, that we seek. Uh, he never gives us the, the, the half bit, even as the people were grabbing him and asking for halves and, and part, part, parts of, of glory. Pursuing what they think makes sense, Jesus kept shifting their gaze and resetting their feet on the path that walks intimately 
intimately with him so they will receive what they need because guess what they need? Guess what they need? They just need him. Just him. Bartimaeus had that figured out. We need him. You know that, right? We need him. What's, um, what's so hard about preaching a sermon like this is because now we get to this point and now I'm supposed to tell you how you can have intimacy with Jesus. <laughs> um, this is the job of a good preacher. I'm supposed to have the answers. Um, but I don't know about you. Have you, ever, have you ever been frustrated with the question, how can I be closer to my Savior? Ever asked that question and struggled with the answer? How do I get closer to my Savior? How, how do I get closer to Jesus? It's a complicated question. It's a complicated question because it has all kinds of emotions and history and life all wrapped in it. How do we get closer to our Savior? That's hard. It's hard because life um, happens, because we all have baggage. Um, there are a lot of people in our, in our culture, there are a lot of people in the world who don't know how to have intimacy, who struggle to understand what that means because of, of life.